On Wednesday of this week, we had a service of tenebrae, which name means a service of lament and shadows, a service of the apparent victory of evil over death, where we read songs of lament and extinguished candles, all but one, all but one, the one that represented the light of Christ. Today is also a service of shadow and lamentation, where we look the reality of evil in the eye and see what it would be like if it were true that evil and death were victorious. We look on the cross, we hear the passion, and we contemplate squarely, face to face, what it would be like if evil and death had the last word. And so, as we contemplate that, we are also drawn to humbly and graciously and wholeheartedly give thanks to God that that is not the truth. That the apparent victory of hate, of evil, and death, of injustice is just that, only apparent at times. There are many kinds of crosses in this world. Crosses cast big shadows, but they don't last. The sun outshines them every time. Today we look with courage on the reality of the crosses in our lives. The cross, the actual cross, like the one of Jesus, on which Jesus died, the cross of legal human execution. What they did to Jesus was legal. Then there are those crosses that are more like the thorns that Jesus, that St. Paul spoke about in his writings. They are thorns or temptations or choices that cause us to struggle with who we are and how easily we fall into being not our best selves. Then there are the crosses that are conditions we make for ourselves and for each other in which we perpetuate environments of unhealth and toxicity. Then there are the spiritual crosses in which we try to make God agree with everything that we think is true, everything that we know is right, in which we try to put ourselves 
in the place of God. And then there are the crosses, as the theologian John Sobrino so eloquently wrote about, the crosses of the crucified people. We can think of the literal bombing of Ukraine these days and the death that they suffer. We can think of the unhealth and the hunger throughout the world for which those that have more than enough somehow do not find ways to share. And so people die. We can think of the hate of the people searching for a better life on the border and find themselves being treated like animals. We ourselves are coming up out of the long cross of COVID, of pandemic isolation, of pandemic cruelty, of unnecessary and costly loss, the cost and cross of sin. And when I refer to sin, I'm not talking about difference or desperation or destitution. I'm talking about cruelty and unconscionable indifference. I'm talking about the urge and the need to control others for our own satisfaction or gain. The historian Heather Richardson Cox on April 9th this week reminded us of a story that comes from the Civil War in our own country. She wrote, on April 9, 1865, General Ulysses S. Grant got out of bed with a migraine. The pain had hit the day before as he rode through the Virginia countryside where the United States Army had been harrying the Confederacy Army of Northern Virginia commanded by General Robert E. Lee for days, and Lee would not surrender. Even with that migraine, Grant got up out of his bed, put on his dirty uniform, and rode out. And as he rode, an escort arrived with a note from Lee requesting an interview for the purpose of surrendering the Army of Northern Virginia. When the officer reached me, I was still suffering with the sick headache, Grant recalled, but the instant I saw the contents of the note, I was cured. The two men met in the home of Wilmer McLean in the village of Appomattox Courthouse, Virginia. Lee had dressed grandly for the occasion in a brand new general's uniform carrying a dress sword. Grant wore simply the rough garb of a private with the shoulder straps of a lieutenant general. 
but the images of the noble South and the humble North hid a very different reality. As soon as the papers were signed, Lee told Grant his men were starving and asked if the Union general could provide the Confederates with rations. Grant didn't hesitate. Certainly, he responded, even before he asked how many men needed food. He took Lee's answer, about 25,000 in stride, telling the general that he could have all the provisions he wanted. Four years before that, Southerners defending their version, their vision of white supremacy had ridden off, ridden off to war, boasting that they would beat the North's misguided egalitarian levelers in a single battle. By 1865, Confederates were broken and starving, while the United States of America, backed by a booming industrial economy that rested on ordinary women and men of all backgrounds, could provide rations for 25,000 extra men, considered enemies, on a moment's notice. The Civil War was won not by the dashing sons of wealthy planters, but by people like Grant, who dragged himself out of his blankets and pulled a dirty soldier's uniform over his pounding head on an April morning because he knew he had to get up and get to work. Our work as the faithful of Christ today is to drag ourselves out of whatever pain and weakness we feel and get on about the work of resurrection. To face evil and justice and pain and still say that the light of Christ will not ever be extinguished.